COVID cases skyrocket. You're done. Get out. While some still refuse to wear a mask. The penalties if you don't. It's time for this small minority to shut up, grow up and mask up. A new call to take advantage of technology. Don't forget to download the COVID-19 app. YBC is still resisting. And on a wing and a prayer, airlines offer deals too good to refuse, even though we're supposed to be staying home. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We have breaking details on several fronts tonight concerning COVID-19 in B.C., including a record day of infections that eclipses the old mark by far. And provincial officials are further clarifying health orders, including penalties for those who still won't wear a mask. We have 941 new cases. That is a record, and it brings B.C.'s total to 28,348. Ten more people have died which means BC has now lost 358 people to the virus. 284 people are in hospital, 61 of them in the ICU. 19,605 are considered recovered, and we are left with 7,732 active cases, 10,283 people in isolation. The anti-mask debate has become so heated in parts of this province. At one Nelson grocery store, Management has had to bring in reinforcements to control the situation. For the first time in 45 years, the Kootenai Co-op has hired a security guard who will be patrolling for something other than shoplifters. Catherine Urquhart reports. He just took his off. You took mine. You took it. We have it on camera. It's on camera. Yet another confrontation with an anti masker happens inside the Kootenai Co op. I don't seem to understand. What do you mean? You have to keep your mask on. Clashes like this one are now happening daily at the Nelson grocery store. Yeah, there is a certain anxiety around it. But as soon as it became mandatory, um, a number of people again started to become extra loud, extra vocal, extra aggressive oftentimes harassing our cashiers, harassing the greeters at the front of the store, trying to force their way into the store when we ask them to wear a mask, um, and sometimes just acting in threatening, uh, aggressive ways. The situation is so problematic, they've hired a security guard for the first time ever. Before we moved to the security guard, which is something we've never had to do in 45 years, we just managed it as a staff. Last weekend, three anti-maskers harassed Kelowna coffee shop owner Jennifer West as she was holding her infant. These men were yelling at me while I'm holding this baby. I didn't make the rules. I'm just following the provincial guidelines. And yeah, I didn't expect that people were going to harass me and my staff. Also over the weekend, Penticton RCMP were called when a woman allegedly spit on a liquor store employee after refusing to wear a mask. You're done. Get out. I'm asking you to leave. All right. Back in Nelson, Kootenai Co-op says it will continue to demand people wear masks. We've been really proactive since the beginning with this whole thing and really wanting to err on the side of abundance of caution and really making sure we're protecting most vulnerable people in our community. As for those who are non-compliant, they'll be asked to leave. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. And maybe even more than that, Keith Baldry joins us with breaking details on mask enforcement and penalties. Keith, what have you learned? 
Yeah, effective immediately. There's going to be a financial penalty if you're caught not wearing your mask in places where you have to wear a mask. And the penalty, very similar to the penalties that already exist when it comes to social gatherings and such and, and improper party, partying. Already 25 people have been fined $2,300 for having organizing events. Nine restaurants and pubs have been fined $2,300 for breaking the rules in their establishments. More than 20 people fined $230 uh, for breaking the rules. And now the mask rule is $230 fine. We caught up with Solicitor General and Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth, who's talking a pretty tough line. We hope that uh, people, uh, that small minority of people, finally get this message, that they do not have the right to endanger other people's health. Uh, it's time for this small minority to, uh, to shut up, grow up, and mask up. And the order that's uh, in place now means that uh, individuals, uh, people, must wear a mask in indoor public spaces. All right, back to the numbers, Keith. 941, that's a new yeah. daily case record. What do we know about where these cases are? Well, almost every night or every couple nights, I point out the geographical breakdown of COVID-19 cases. And now we're getting so many, the same stories being told. Take a look at where the cases are. I could have probably used the graphic from a couple nights ago because the pattern has not changed. Fraser Health continues to be the epicenter for our COVID-19 epidemic, a pandemic. 72% of the cases there, less than 20% in Vancouver Coastal. The numbers far smaller in other health authorities. The numbers are starting to tick upwards in the other health authorities, but nowhere near what we're seeing in Fraser Health. Almost almost 350 cases in one day in Fraser Health to the next. So very much Fraser Health right now is where COVID is raging through. And if uh, past trends are any indication in terms of maps from, and data from disease control, Surrey's likely getting most of the COVID cases right now. It'll be interesting to see if these, any of these restrictions work in the days to come. Keith, thank mm -hmm. you. BCTF President Terry Mooring has written an open letter to parents encouraging them, encouraging them to talk to their children about wearing masks in classrooms, even though they're not mandatory there. And that's not the only new effort to increase the use of face masks. The BCTF tweeting today a new poster campaign. The poster reads, in this class, please wear a mask. And they want teachers to print it and display it. The Federation says provincial and health officials should be doing more when it comes to masks in schools. The BCTF also states there's no reason school administration should prevent it from being posted. And if they do, members are being asked to alert their local union. A recent fire at Burnaby Hospital may have led to an increase in COVID-19 cases at that facility and even a number of deaths. Fraser Health says there are now 55 patients who have contracted the virus Along with five deaths, there are also 40 staff cases currently under investigation. An outbreak was first declared at the hospital November 9th. Six days later is when the fire broke out. The health authority says patient safety was the immediate priority at the time, and that meant some patients had to be moved to areas of the hospital they wouldn't normally be placed. As a result, they believe the fire is a contributing factor in the outbreak. Well, the Prime Minister and Canada's top doctor keep encouraging Canadians to sign up for that national COVID alert app. But while the app has already been downloaded by nearly five and a half million Canadians, it's still not enabled for use here in B.C. And Dr. Bonnie Henry has repeatedly raised concerns about the program. Richard Zussman reports. App advice. Avoid social gatherings, especially indoors. And don't forget to download the COVID-19 app. 
Prime Minister Justin Trudeau once again encouraging all British Columbians to sign up for the federal COVID-19 app and for the province to sign on. The more people download this app, the stronger it becomes. Right now, the app isn't operational in British Columbia. BC and Alberta are the only provinces without it. And BC's top doctor is concerned it's too broad and puts unneeded strain on contact tracers. We have concerns about the potential for increasing work without benefit. And although you can download the federal app here in BC, the province is moving past working with Ottawa, instead focusing in working with Alberta on an app that the two provinces can agree on. We're also talking with Alberta and the Yukon about modifying the Alberta app um, to make it more aligned with what we would like to see. But AB Trace Together isn't without its critics. Since the launch in May, the contact tracing app has been downloaded more than 270,000 times, but has only been used to track close contacts of 19 positive cases. I'm really surprised to hear that uh, another province would consider uh, taking it up given that sort of low number and that apparent ineffectiveness. Technology experts also say the app has a fatal flaw. Anytime the application isn't running on the phone with the phone unlocked, it isn't capable of correctly tracking notifications of people around it. And experts say although the app Alberta and BC are working on together could be different, the current app in many cases is completely useless. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Provincial health officials are clarifying temporary closure orders for indoor group fitness activities. The new guidelines posted today now include the suspension of classes in dance, Pilates, yoga, gymnastics and cheerleading. They had previously been excluded from the health order introduced last week that suspended spin, hot yoga and other high intensity group workouts. But the Ministry of Health now says it's updating its rules based on what officials are seeing around the country. Gyms and recreation facilities that offer individual workouts and personal training sessions can remain open as long as they have a COVID-19 safety plan that's being strictly followed. Canada's battered airline industry is taking its first shaky steps toward recovery. But the question of survival is still up in the air. Both Air Canada and WestJet will be offering flights to Hawaii starting in December at deep discounts. But as Ted Chernecki reports, experts say it'll take more than an invitation from the Hawaiian governor to save the ailing industry. Aloha from the islands of Hawaii. Starting December 17th, you'll be able to fly there directly from Vancouver or Calgary and not have to quarantine so long as you have an approved test for COVID at least 72 hours prior to your departure. Hawaii's been trying to get Canadians back on the islands for a good reason. Canada is the second largest international market to Hawaii. And Maui in particular. In fact, I've heard some call Maui the 11th province of Canada. So, logging on to Air Canada or WestJet's websites, you can see some pretty interesting deals. As low as 368 Canadian return taxes included. And even as health authorities across Canada say now is not the time to travel, Hawaii claims it's ready. We know that the cases are going up, up, up on the mainland. It's hoped that having all arrivals pre-tested will keep Hawaii with the lowest COVID rate in the United States. And the airlines are totally on board because they know they can't wait for a vaccine. 
I think that it's the use of those rapid tests. I mean, that's how it's going to um, open up Hawaii safely. The majority of people will not travel if they have to quarantine. Airline losses worldwide are staggering. The International Air Transport Association is now forecasting $157 billion losses in this and next year. In June, its estimate was $100 billion. Now it expects $118 billion this year and almost $39 billion next year. Even with the vaccine, says the Director General, systematic testing is even more critical to reopen borders than the vaccine. Canadians have been getting to Hawaii via the United States mainland, but starting today, everyone must now have a negative test result 72 hours or less before departure. Testing labs in Calgary and Vancouver are expected to start operating in early December. Attention at Global News. Ready, set, spin. The holiday shopping rush is about to begin on Black Friday, but security experts have a warning before you pull out your credit card. That's next on the News Hour. Skyrocketing infection rates and crowded airports, a recipe for Thanksgiving disaster in the United States. Coming up on the News Hour. And a family in medical crisis gets some help from the neighbors, making spirits bright. That's later. Right now, though, Black Friday and Cyber Monday are around the corner, and tis the season to spend on some great deals. But with more of us turning to online shopping due to the pandemic, cybersecurity experts are warning consumers to pay close attention to where they are doing their shopping. With more on how we can protect ourselves, let's bring in Consumer Matters reporter Andrea. And Thanks, Sophie. From false ads to bogus promotions, criminals love to target e-commerce sites during the holiday shopping season. And security experts warn this year could be more concerning. While many of us are spending more time at home, so too are cyber criminals who are discovering more creative ways to compromise our security. So here are some ways to protect yourself. Shop with online retailers you know and trust and make sure the page you shop on is secure. Don't save your credit card information on your accounts for future use. It may be convenient, but it runs the risk of ending up in the hands of criminals. Avoid shopping and using a public Wi-Fi connection. Use a personal device and private connection instead. Hackers can intercept data and steal that personal information. And beware of fake emails from online retailers. Always go directly to the actual website. Even if a link is provided through social media, many times cyber criminals use those links to steal your personal information. And use strong passwords when signing on to online retailers. Change them regularly and make them complex. A password manager is also a good idea. The cyber criminal world has a tendency to shift to whatever everybody's attention on. And obviously, early this year, everyone's attention was on COVID. So there were a lot of scams and everything focusing on COVID. Now that we're unfortunately finding that COVID's our new normal, there's no reason to believe that they won't shift back to their normal Christmas operations, which is fake shipping notifications that you're getting a package from you know, common carriers that are bringing you all those Christmas gifts that you're buying your loved ones other impersonations of brands to get people to voluntarily hand over for information when they're uh, kind of already in the habit because it's part of the season. And some cybersecurity experts also suggest that when paying for an online order, you may want to think about using a mobile payment system like Apple Pay or Google Pay rather than using your credit card. By paying with these alternate payment systems, you are not sharing any of your confidential card details with the retailer. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks for that, Anne. 
Well, after first looking at a hike of up to 12%, Vancouver homeowners will now be facing a 5% increase in their property taxes this year. The hike comes as the city's bottom line has taken a big hit due to lost revenue and increased costs blamed on the pandemic. The 5% tax increase works out to an extra $146 for the average single-family home or $64 for the average condo. While the draft 2021 budget also includes, includes a $17 million cut to operations and a transfer of $57 million from reserve funds. The final budget will be voted on by Council on December 8th. Up ahead, a horrifying act of animal cruelty. There's no reason for anybody to neuter an animal on their own. A rash of home surgeries on animals with disastrous results. And critics wonder how the new Surrey police chief got the job, arguing another better candidate was passed over. In New Westminster, a mechanic is on scene to a broken down tandem dump truck causing minor delays here on 8th Avenue, both ways at 2nd Street, where you're down to one lane each direction. Sussex Insurance has autopan offices inside Walmarts and the real Canadian superstores throughout BC. For hours and locations, visit sussexinsurance.com. Open every day. In Global One, above New Westminster, I'm Amber Belzer. Just days after Norm Lipinski was named the first chief constable of Surrey's Municipal Police Service, concerns are being raised about how that choice was made. Some Surrey councillors say that in choosing Lipinski, another highly qualified candidate who has much deeper ties to Surrey was passed over. Nadia Stewart reports. Friday's announcement of Surrey's new police chief still raising questions days later. Those concerned say the process was not as transparent as it should have been. In this one, the job was advertised publicly for two weeks, and then ultimately you have a decision. National Police Federation President Brian Sauvé is comparing the process undertaken by Surrey's mayor and new police board to that now underway in Toronto. In the wake of Chief Mark Saunders stepping down and with the backdrop of Black Lives Matter and calls to defund the police, Toronto's search for a new top cop includes a community consultation process focused on the kind of chief residents want to see. Surrey had an opportunity. The whole premise of this move to a municipal police service was to create something new that reflects the community. You can't really reflect the community unless you talk to the community. Norm Lipinski, a highly qualified officer with decades of experience in municipal policing in Edmonton and Delta, was chosen by the board. When the, the board had two weeks to make the decision, the fix was in. Surrey City Councillor Brenda Locke pushing for answers on how the board came to their decision. From the get-go, there has been political interference. So to say at any one stop along the way, is that different? No, it has been secretive and uh, non-transparent process from the beginning. Locke says many residents are still opposed to the transition. And for those in support of it, she says some had hoped they'd see diversity at the top. Vancouver Police Deputy Chief Constable Steve Rye, who lives in Surrey and was equally qualified, also applied for the job. We know that glass ceiling, the glass is very, very thick. A few of us have managed to get through that thick glass but others are not. And this is another indication of how thick that glass is for that glass ceiling. But Wake Up Surrey's Suki Sandu says race should not be the focus of the conversation now that a new chief has been chosen. There needs to be better accountability on budgeting. 
there needs to be more consultation with residents. Um, rather than creating division, let's. I think we need to create some unity now. We've reached out to the police board for comment, but have not received a response. It remains to be seen whether any of the questions being raised will be answered. Nadia Stewart, Global News. It's not a police matter, but UBC is investigating allegations of widespread cheating during last week's online midterm exam. A note from a Math 100 professor posted on Reddit reveals more than 100 UBC students are suspected of cheating on their math midterms. The teacher goes on to say that if confirmed, the cheaters will fail the course and might even be expelled from the school. Math 100 classes, which have an enrollment of about 250 students, are held online. The BCSPCA is issuing a warning tonight after several cases of animal abuse. And a warning, some of the details in this story are disturbing. The SPCA says it has had to deal with at least three cases of home neutering, a procedure they say can only be done by a specialist. Grace Key reports. Geiger is going to need some extra attention after surviving a traumatic experience that ended up killing his brother. Someone attempted to neuter the seven-month-old cats at home. They tied an elastic band around both the cat's testicles. Um, and unfortunately, one of the cats was very badly necrotic tissue, bad infection, had gone septic, and we couldn't save it. Vancouver SPCA says this is the third home neuter attempt they've seen in two weeks. The other was a dog. It survived, and that case is still under investigation. The use of elastic bands to neuter animals is a standard practice in sheep, using specially designed instruments and specially designed elastic bands. It is completely inappropriate for any other species, and even in sheep, there's some Definitely some discussion about how humane it is compared to other methods. Geiger will soon be able to go home with his new owner as he continues to recover from surgery. We were able to have all his genitals removed by a specialist. So basically you're taking a male cat and turning it into a female cat. And um, he's doing well. The SBCA adds there's no reason for someone to do this at home and individuals could be charged under the Animal Cruelty Act. There are organizations like us that offer discounted spay neuters, um, but there's always somebody you can reach out to for help. There's no reason for anybody to neuter an animal on their own. I think we need to be very clear about the fact that this wasn't home neutering, that this was just animal torture. Mm -hmm. And whatever justification the individuals doing it came up with um, doesn't change the fact that they were torturing their poor animal. Someone brought Geiger to the Vancouver SPCA, but it's unclear who attempted to neuter him. No charges have been laid. Grace Key, Global News. Beautiful cat. Well, still ahead, millions of Americans ignoring COVID guidelines. The severity of some of the patients that get sick, it is truly unprecedented. Why health experts would be a lot more thankful if everybody just stayed home this holiday. And it's neighbors to the rescue for a family going through some dark times. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC in partnership with Pacific Blue Cross, flexible small business health benefits for challenging times. 
It's a twisty commute here for Highway 17 traffic in North Delta. This is between the Alex Fraser Bridge and the 91 connector where it is very tight and you're down to 50 kilometers an hour for good reason through this uh, S-curve. There's also construction underneath the Portman Bridge on Highway 17 that also has a lane shift in place tonight. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $50 million plus an estimated two max millions. Lotto Max, dream to the max. In Global One above Highway 17, I'm Amber Belzer. The number of COVID infections and deaths is still growing across the United States, but we're still seeing big crowds at airports right across the country. There are long lines of holiday travelers, despite strong warnings from doctors and officials against traveling for Thanksgiving and a new round of restrictions for those who do. Well, as the COVID numbers continue to increase uh, in the U.S., President-elect Joe Biden's transition team is officially able to plan a way forward, now formally acknowledged by the Trump administration. But as Global's Reggie Cicchini reports, the sitting president is not giving up the fight. Facing mounting pressure, the Trump administration formally recognized Joe Biden as the apparent winner. But on Tuesday, instead of congratulating the president-elect... I just want to congratulate everybody. The stock market, Dow Jones Industrial Average, just hit 30,000. The sitting president touted a market he predicted would crash if Biden were elected before walking out. The 60-second briefing failed to address a crippling public health crisis that's ravaging the United States, with the entire country a collage of red zones. We could have avoided some of what we're seeing right now if we would have done more stringent types of measures sooner. In North Dakota, Air Force nurses are now augmenting hospital staff, while in El Paso, Texas, the National Guard is dealing with the overflow of dead bodies. The volumes that we're seeing, the severity of some of the patients that get sick, it is truly unprecedented. Nationwide, positivity rates are soaring, daily infections closing in on 200,000 a day. And with the holidays approaching... Right now, it's about protecting each other. A desperate plea to not travel. It's things that they consider really low risk, but those are actually the settings in which we're seeing COVID spread right now. President-elect Biden is now receiving regular pandemic updates from the government as the transfer of power accelerates. While this team has unmatched experience and accomplishments. He's also preparing his government, announcing cabinet nominees who stood masked and socially distanced. America leads not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. And President-elect Biden has pledged to make his cabinet more representative to bring more women, people of color and immigrants into senior level positions while saying that he's drawing on experience and not connections. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. In the UK, families and friends will be allowed to gather for Christmas despite being one of Europe's hardest hit countries in the pandemic. Under the rules released today by Prime Minister Boris Johnson, three households will be able to meet together over Christmas. Restrictions on overnight stays will also be relaxed and travel restrictions lifted for five days over the festive period. The announcement comes as the UK recorded 608 COVID deaths, the highest daily total since May. Well, the BC Centre for Disease Control is confirming a healthcare silver lining to the COVID pandemic. Linda Aylesworth has the early numbers on this year's flu season and what the CDC expects in the months to come. 
The BC Centre for Disease Control knew this was going to be a busy year, so they prepared for the inevitable onslaught of tests in their virology lab. We're adopting all kinds of new technologies that are either robotics or commercial automated machines to help us do the COVID-19 testing. But that's not all they're testing for, because this is also influenza season. This year we're testing about two or three times more for the influenza virus from respiratory samples. Uh, compared to previous years. The world has been bracing itself for this moment. The concern, what the combination of flu and COVID-19 might do to a person, not to mention the healthcare system. And yet... We would typically be picking up a, a couple hundred anyway influenza viruses by this stage of the season and so far it's a big goose egg. They suspect, based on earlier evidence, that it's COVID-inspired precautions like social distancing that are holding influenza at bay. Back in the spring, when we first introduced those public health measures, uh, it was as if influenza virus dropped off a cliff. Yet the influenza tests continue to flood in, and so a request. Because we really want to maintain our capacity for testing, for COVID-19 during this time, we're only recommending influenza virus testing for certain populations. Populations that are most at risk, like long-term care residents, those who are hospitalized, children under the age of five, and pregnant women. These are early days yet, and so a message from the BC CDC. The 7 p.m. cheer was our way of thanking first responders and healthcare workers for keeping us safe. And now here's another way you can support them. Get your flu shot. If we relax our mitigation measures, we should expect not only that SARS-CoV-2 will increase, but uh, also influenza viruses. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Still ahead for Vancouver Police, it was like finding a needle in a haystack. It was the first time in my career that I've ever found a bike that's been gone for so long. Reuniting a beloved bike with its grateful owner more than a decade after it was stolen. And in sports, how even COVID can't spoil the Vancouver Giants' legendary teddy bear toss. Watch the Global News and 980 CKNW Leadership Series every Saturday. The world's deepest swimming pool has opened in Poland. The pool, called Deep Spot, is 45.5 meters deep at one point. That's 150 feet and filled with 8,000 cubic meters of water, 20 times the amount in a standard 25-meter pool. It's actually a training center for divers and includes artificial ruins and even a shipwreck at the very bottom. It also has a tunnel for spectators to watch the divers. The pool cost more than $13 million to build, but it will soon lose its world record status. A new 50-meter deep swimming pool called Blue Abyss is set to open up in the U.K. next year. Looks amazing. I felt like I was going to be swimming on an East Vancouver sidewalk earlier this morning. The rain just would not quit. Christy's here with a look at our forecast going forward, Mm -hmm. waiting for the sun to come back. Yes, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer, Chris. You're right, though. Today was just downright nasty, wasn't it? We had pooling water on the roads, a tough go, but we were treated to a beautiful rainbow just before sunset. If you missed it, here's a look at the photos. We had so many people sending them in. This one from Paula in Langley. And we have a look at a few others at Vancouver, Elijah from that one. So nice full rainbow. And if you look closely, some of them are actually double rainbows. Thanks to Lance for that one and Matt for this one as well. All right. 
right, so the front is pushed on. We are definitely drier now, but we still have showers in the forecast, especially into tomorrow morning. We have been calling for some breaks of blue sky, but it looks like that cloud cover is going to linger in Metro Vancouver. I do think it'll be brighter tomorrow afternoon, but uh, not a ton of sunshine expected. Snowfall warning for the Kootenai Pass region, 20 centimeters this evening and overnight. Coquihalla and Rogers Pass also expecting significant snowfall, and Coquihalla will likely see that into tomorrow morning. The other area is not too bad, but the Fraser Canyon and up towards Whistler, some wet snow. Northeastern BC, cold but clear tomorrow. And in the Columbia region, flurries changing over to showers. Nice breaks of blue sky for the Okanagan Valley. Now for our region, as I mentioned, a chance of showers tomorrow morning, especially I think a little bit lighter in the afternoon, but still mainly cloudy for our region. Thursday, we will see a mostly dry morning, but then showers later on. The key though is, Chris, you were looking for sunshine. That will happen at this point, it looks like, over the weekend. And I'll leave you with our central windows weather window, which of course is another beautiful rainbow. This one looking out towards the second narrow zone. Thank you to Stuart Jacobson for that one. Well, that's gorgeous. Thank you, Christy. At one point it was glowing orange up here mm -hmm. in Burnaby this afternoon. Very cool. All right, back in 2009, a man named Kenneth Feeney was working construction ahead of the Vancouver Olympics when he had his beloved bike stolen. Now, 11 years later, it's been recovered. And after some badly needed TLC, Feeney is about to finally get it back. A work in progress. This old Kona getting some much needed attention. It's getting fixed at Reckless Bikes and then getting shipped to its owner in Toronto, 11 years after it was reported stolen. We are so thrilled to be able to get a stolen bike back in somebody's hands. It doesn't happen that often. The bike belongs to Kenneth Feeney. He was in Vancouver in 2009 working on the Olympic Village. For the course of his short stay in Vancouver, he was hospitalized for a couple of days. When he got out, his bike, his only means of transportation, was gone. I was having a rough time with my health and 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 when it rains it pours, you know, now I got my bike stolen. I'm like, ah, oh, this sucks. I hate this city. He went home and assumed the bike was gone for good. I don't know if they would part it out or so I don't know what they do when they steal bikes. But it was discovered by Constable Kevin Reggie, who as part of the neighborhood response team was patrolling Granville Street. The bike was in someone's cart blocking the sidewalk. It was the first time in my career that I've ever found a bike that's been gone for so long. It actually took a little bit of work from my team and myself to go back into our old files and to find the stolen report. Once the owner was tracked down, the VPD officers decided to foot the bill for the heavily discounted repairs through their community fund. COVID-19 spiking in uh, the community, and it stands to reason that uh, that's also happening in the hockey community, Squire. Yeah, well, we've seen it in the NFL as well with uh, players and staff members getting uh, COVID-19. Now, two unidentified players on Canada's junior team, at least at their training camp, their selection camp, have tested positive for COVID-19. That's the uh, selection camp going on in Red Deer. The World Junior Tournament actually is next month in Edmonton. It'll be played in a bubble-like situation like the NHL did there. Uh, because two players have tested positive, everything must stop. And everyone on the team, players, staff, everyone, have to get another test to see if they've been infected as well. They didn't make any cuts today because of this. And the exhibition games are supposed to have against university teams 
are now in danger of being postponed depending on the test results of the other players and staff. Toronto FC hasn't been playing very good down the stretch in MLS, so in the playoffs tonight they were taking on Nashville, and Nashville was the much better side. And they finally scored an extra time. Daniel Rios, after Hani Mukhtar's shot, is kind of stopped. And Nashville deserved this win, although in the final seconds of this game, TFC had a chance to tie it. Well, more than one chance. Here's one. Here's two. Here's three. Here's four. Nope, couldn't do it. Nashville shocks Toronto FC and knocks them out of the MLS playoffs. They'll play Columbus next. Uh, Champions League action, Cristiano Ronaldo, Juventus against Ferenc Veros of Hungary. Uh, Ferenc Veros scored first, and then Cristiano Ronaldo does what he has done, I don't know, like a million times in his life. Scored a goal when you least expect it from a long way away. That made it 1-1. Injury time in Alfaro Morata will get what proves to be the winning goal as Juventus wins it 2-1. And I want to show you this goal from another Champions League game today. Manchester United against Basakshi here of Turkey. This is Bruno Fernandes off the corner kick one time. And that shouldn't be seen just one time. This one-timer should be seen two times. There you go. 4-1 the final for Manchester United. Fred Sasakamus, one of the pioneers of indigenous NHL players, died today because of a presumed case of COVID-19. He was 86 years old, played 11 games for the Blackhawks in the 1953-54 season. And that's when the NHL was a six-team league. So you had to be one of the best players in the world even to play one game in the NHL back then. In 2017, he was awarded the Order of Canada. Well, we all know COVID has taken away so much from the world this year. People's lives, normal life for everyone else. In sports, the fun of going to games and participating has been wiped away as well. This is the time of year the Vancouver Giants and every other junior team in Canada would be getting ready for a teddy bear toss night. And even though the Giants aren't playing right now, they still want to keep the tradition alive in a socially distant setting that would help the CKNW Kids Fund. respect to members of the Vancouver Giants front office staff, come Christmas time, these teddy bears and their friends are the Giants MVPs. It symbolizes the most fun, one of the most fun nights of our year, uh, both from a staff perspective and I think from the fans as well. Um, it's sort of one of those memories that people keep talking about and if they, whether they're a, a lifelong fan or, you know, they've only been to a game or two, uh, they usually have some sort of story tied in with uh, the teddy bear toss. They've been holding their teddy bear toss every season since 2002, but not this year. COVID putting these furry friends on the sidelines, sort of. With no fans in the stands and a season on hold, the Giants are calling an audible on the teddy bear toss. They're currently sorting out the final details of holding an online raffle to benefit the CKNW Kids Fund. You're going to be able to go online. Uh, it'll be up soon uh, on our, uh, our website and click in for Teddy Bear Toss and have opportunity to uh, make a donation 
that allows you actually an entry uh, into our uh, teddy bear toss uh, giveaway. And uh, courtesy of uh, our friends at CD Logistics, uh, White Spot and Toys R Us, we've got a great uh, array of uh, prizing. As you can imagine, in the last 10 months, we have probably had three times as many applications as we normally would. And, um, you know, and we feel for these families, obviously, so many of them are single parents who uh, their jobs have either been lost or certainly hours have been cut down. So there's, um, there's a lot of need. So leave it up to Teddy, the Giants, and you to come to the rescue. The Giants plan on having their Teddy Bear Toss raffle online come December. Jay Janor, Global Sports. The festive in us cannot be defeated. <laughs> Absolutely not. And as a board member of the Kids Fund, thank you to the Giants and everybody who gives, too. All right, here's Andrew with a preview of Global News at 11. Thanks, Chris. We'll have much more on the fines for people who refuse to wear a mask in this province. And a Vancouver Elementary School forced to lock down earlier today after a stranger walked into a classroom full of students and refused to leave. Plus, the decades-long legal saga surrounding B.C.'s bountiful commune is over. Two rival leaders of the fundamentalist community were convicted of practicing polygamy, but the B.C. Prosecution Service says no more charges will be approved. Those stories and more tonight at 11. Chris so okay thanks very much ann up next the bc neighborhood brightening up the holidays for a family in desperate need Many households have been through some dark times during this pandemic, but things have been especially dim for one family in Nanaimo as both parents battle cancer. That's why an entire neighborhood has stepped up to illuminate their holiday season quite literally. Kylie Stanton shows us the effort to get the family of five through this very challenging time. The carol is a classic. Let your heart be light. And the message, so simple. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. If only it were that easy. Yeah, hard's not the word. Yeah, <laughs> beyond hard. The Caverly family is going through their share of dark times. Chemotherapy, um, some radiation. radiation. Both Sindra and Bruce are battling stage four cancers. The mother of three was diagnosed with breast cancer five years ago. The father with urethra carcinoma last year. An incredibly rare and sad situation, leaving the family with no choice but to survive on disability. You know, obviously I would love to go back to work. Yes. Um, it's just not in the, in the cards right now. With the family home on the line and bills piling up, even the holidays felt dim. How long? 31 days. Then someone turned on the lights. We've always been Christmas crazy, so yeah. if they didn't come help, this simply wouldn't have happened. Yeah. The community has come together bringing inflatable Santas, glowing reindeer, bears, penguins, and lights. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's overwhelming. So many lights. Like, so, yeah. yeah. And the support has gone a step further. 
A GoFundMe for the family has now surpassed $19,000, while an online auction has nearly 200 items up for grabs. People from across the country placing bids in a show of support. They want to keep their home and their family together, and this is, this is our time to kind of do what we can to make that happen. And it's been incredible that they just continue to put their hands up and say, yes, we can help. And so as the carol goes, they're going to have themselves a merry little Christmas. No. Kylie Stanton. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Global News. Oh, that's so sweet. Wishing the best to the Cave Clan for sure. Merry Christmas to them. Yeah. Uh, and the whole okay. neighborhood for yeah. stepping up as well. Yeah, what a what a great. That's really what it's all about. Hey, staying. We're in this together. Yeah. And uh, and being part of that community. All right. Uh, final word on the weather from Christy. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, got interrupted there. Yes, uh, so tomorrow morning, still a few showers. We're hoping for breaks of blue sky later in the day. At the very least, it will lighten up a little bit. I have a guy that just got out of the out of the shower. <laughs> oh, nice. All right, and clean. guys. <laughs> Looking good, Brayden. Yeah. Don't forget to brush your teeth. All right, night. Good night. night. You mean me? <laughs> yes, yeah, Squire, you too.